Fuel prices are rising, gas prices are now pushing up oil, coal is also in demand, forget the planet for now, and central banks are getting increasingly worried about inflation and are becoming more hawkish in the process. For example, could the Bank of England push up rates as soon as next month? Half the market seems to think so. It's Tuesday, the 12th of October 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar has gained a bit more strength today. It's at 1% against the Japanese yen. The Aussie dollar has managed to gain 0.6%, but most other currencies have shown very little on the way of moves today. US bond markets have been closed for Columbus Day, but we have seen yields rising in Germany, the UK, France, and across Europe. In Germany, for example, 10-year bonds are, or bonds, I should say, are up three basis points to minus 0.12%. They reached their, their highest point for two and a half years this morning. Uh, and we said yesterday that 10-year guilt yields in the UK are the highest since mid-2019. And Chinese property bonds, they've been hit hard as Evergrande looks set not to pay for its uh, bond payments due yesterday, and others may soon default too. Uh, it's not looking particularly healthy there. And the equity markets still open in the United States on Monday, but not doing much. The Nasdaq is up slightly. The Dow and the S&P 500 uh, down almost 0.3%. A fairly lacklustre performance for shares in Europe as well, although the FTSE 100 is up three quarters of one percent this morning and oil continues to rise wti crude is up 1.4 percent well over two percent up earlier same for brent it's up 1.4 percent now almost 84 dollars a barrel the highest since may 2018 and then of course it was only there for a second uh, if it's if it hangs around or goes high we'll really need to go back a lot earlier than that uh, to see the uh, the previous record uh, well we get to see the lay of the land this morning with tapas strickland from nab in sydney so Tapas, it really does look like this shortage of gas supplies, which hit Europe hard, is now pushing up oil prices as a substitute. We've seen that big rise in Brent crude, for example, this morning, haven't we? Uh, good morning, Phil. Yes, um, that seems to be what's occurring within the energy market. Some gas producers are able to substitute to, to oil, and given the uh, extraordinary rise in European gas prices, some of that substitution looks to be going on. But in terms of the broader market moves, I think uh, it's really being driven by um, two things. And the first one is central banks starting to react to to the recent spike in energy prices. And on the weekend, uh, there were a number of articles uh, with uh, Bank of England officials in there um, saying that they need to prevent inflation from being uh, permanently embedded because uh, that would obviously be very damaging. So here they're talking about um, uh, the rise in oil prices and energy prices more generally potentially lifting up inflation expectations and that embedding in higher inflation in the future. And in that context, um, MPC member Saunders told The Telegraph that it's appropriate that the markets have moved to pricing a significant earlier path of tightening than they did previously. Um, we haven't heard too much from US Fed officials, but the Bank of England looks like they're becoming increasingly hawkish uh, in the wake of higher energy prices. And uh, they suggest that markets that are pricing in um, more than a greater than a 50% chance of a 15 basis point hike at the BOE's next meeting in November are uh, justified so in that context there's no surprise to what? see yields lifting yeah so and we are seeing yields lifting and yield is lifting everywhere aren't they because of this uh, new sort of uh, spate of hawkishness from central banks what do they hope to achieve tapas because uh, i mean all they're going to do is is pull money out of uh, out of people's pockets on anyone with a mortgage is going to be paying more now which means they can spend less on recovery they're already paying more tax they're paying more for food and uh, paying a lot more for fuel what are they hoping to achieve? That's a very good question. I guess they're trying to 
prevent things from from happening really um so uh, <laughs> especially in the especially in the context of the uk which has been hit by a number of different supply shocks um the first one obviously being brexit and uh, then the second one being the pandemic um it could be that they have to actually lower the level of uh demand in order just because potential uh, demand has actually been lowered due to those persistent shocks. Um, and then the second one is they want to avoid any lift in inflation expectations becoming embedded and uh, embedding in higher inflation in the future. So in that context, I think the Bank of England is uh, right to be on the hawkish side. Mm. But that also means other central banks may not be as hawkish as the Bank of England. And we, we wrote about this in our Australian Markets Weekly yesterday, that we still think the RBA is still going to be lagging the rate cycle by quite a bit just because of the differing inflation dynamics that are occurring in Australia and in the US. The US Fed is obviously very committed to their maximum employment mandate. And there's no real reason to believe that employment in the US can't rise back up to its pre-pandemic levels as they have in its neighbour, Canada, most recently. We're going to hear from Philip Lane, aren't we, from the ECB later on today. Is he going to become more hawkish or are they going to uh, stick to their guns? I think the ECB will stick to its guns. Uh, We did get a few comments uh, late yesterday from um, Chief Economist Lane and saying um, he he wouldn't respond to the recent price spikes, um, just seeing that they're more in the line of uh, transitory. And in the sense that to what extent will the rise in oil prices and energy prices be uh, transitory? Well, need to see some of the recent talk about increasing supply actually being put into practice. So we've heard the US administration could release uh, crude oil from the country's strategic petroleum reserves. China has said similar kind of soundings. Um, It's likely Mm. the US will also approach OPEC to increase production. And uh, Russia has obviously said that they could also um, increase um, export volumes of natural gas into Europe. So if all those things um, happen, then obviously that could ease the rise in energy prices. But until those things actually happen, um, I think uh, it's not necessarily going to help markets. Well, the Bank of America is uh, is predicting that uh, oil could get up to $100, uh, you know, which is something we're not seeing since, well, what, 2008? And before that, the late 70s, which neither of them were particularly happy times. Well, were they for the economy? It's fair to say. But if you try and dampen demand, if you think you can keep that price down by dampening demand, then you are dampening production, which is exactly what we're trying to get going at the moment. Uh, yes. And so I guess it really comes back to inflation expectations. So uh, the, the reason why you would want to move on this is if inflation expectations are at risk of decreasing to the high side and inflation becoming less consistent with your inflation target. But that does also raise the specter that not only could the rise in energy prices lift inflation expectations, it also could act as a handbrake to the consumer in itself. And so we'll be looking quite closely at consumer confidence figures over the next uh, couple of months in that respect. And some research um, from a former uh, Bank of England official um, on the drop in US consumer confidence recently uh, suggests the size of those drops are the same sizes that you do see uh, prior to, to, to downturn. So if you don't get too much of a bounce in US consumer confidence, then I think you'll have people starting to question whether the rise in energy prices uh, is likely to act as more of a handbrake. Uh, and in that context, you've seen a few U.S. investment banks start to downgrade U.S. growth in 2022. So what about the big drop that we're seeing in the yen this morning? I mean, it's not just U.S. dollar strength, is it? I mean, it's quite quite a big drop. Normally, you'd go, well, that's that's a real sign of, uh, of, of risk on. Uh, but, I mean, it doesn't seem like it this time, does it? So is it something to do with Japan itself? And we've got a new prime minister, of course. He, I know he's he's been backpedalling on his, his plan to raise uh, tax on investment income, but I don't think that's, that will be having the impact. Why, why is the yen moving so sharply? 
So yeah, so the yen um, did fall by around uh, 1% overnight, and really it's driven by the interest rate differential. So the Bank of, Bank of Japan is expected to be on the sidelines, as it has been over the past decade, um, but the US Fed uh, and US rates are starting to rise, and it's likely the US Fed will hike rates either in uh, 2022 or very early uh, 2023. So that policy d- differential is seeing the uh, Japanese yen depreciate here. And the Aussie dollar doing quite well. Uh, obviously, that's not because of the reopening, because we knew this was coming. So there's no surprise about that. Uh, but although, you know, markets can belatedly uh, respond to these things, can't they? Or is it more to do with the fact that, you know, commodity prices are rising so much and Australia could be a net gainer of this? Because if you, I mean, you know, China's doing everything they can, can't, you know, even... Uh, you know, turning back on coal-fired power stations. I mean, it seems like, you know, they, we've forgotten about the planet for all of this. If coal's cheaper, let's tend to coal quickly. Yeah, I think there's a good argument for that. And I think um, just on the kind of headline level, it's somewhat to do with Australia's reopening. So New South Wales obviously coming uh, coming out of COVID uh, restrictions under the first phase on Monday and other states also likely to do likewise. And then as you're noting, just the rise in energy prices, it looks like it might put push back some of the green agenda that we're seeing. And that was being cited by a number of mm-hmm. different places over the past, say, couple of months for one of the reasons why the Australian dollar and other commodity currencies were inexplicably weak, even though uh, commodity prices were relatively high and they're trying to attribute that to more worries over uh, green initiatives and this whole movement towards a green green economy really weighing down on uh, commodity producers yeah, so but, to the extent that the but, rise in energy prices pushes back um, a little bit of movement on that then maybe that's also adding support at, at the margin yeah, uh, bad timing, isn't it, with COP26 in, in Glasgow in just a few weeks' time. Um, I just hope they can afford to turn the heating on by the time they get around to that. Uh, look, uh, the NAB business survey is out this morning, uh, so um, too soon, isn't it, obviously, to show any tangible gains or maybe a bit more confidence. But um, what about, I mean, the interesting thing is is is, is jobs, isn't it? And where are those jobs going to come from? Uh, do we need migration to return? What about the tourist industry? How, you know, how soon are we going to see more flights coming into Australia? Because that is going to be key to the recovery, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And also key to the inflation picture in, in Australia as, mm. as well. Um, as for the NAB Business Survey, obviously no, no hints this morning. Um, but what we do know is from Seek Job Ads that uh, Seek Job Ads rose by 6% in September and uh, rose by 21% in New South Wales. So businesses were already uh, leading the charge ahead of reopening in New South Wales in terms of uh, labour demand there. Uh, in terms of migration, um, the new New South Wales Premier has been briefed that Australia does need to see a return of migration. And um, just worth noting that prior to the pandemic, Australia used to receive about 240,000 net migrants uh, into Australia uh, and the New South sorry the New South Wales government is trying to bring back net migration in a meaningful way and so they're trialing uh, shorter based home isolation um, and also revisiting inbound passenger caps to try and get uh, migration back um, if you recall the national reopening plan at 80 percent um, does see some easing up of those international borders and by mid uh, 2022 it's more likely a greater flow of migrants will come back in and that's quite important for a number of businesses right across australia which have been experiencing uh, skills shortages um from from people who they may have normally uh, gotten in from o- overseas and also important for some low-wage sectors, particularly in the ag- agriculture and the hospitality space as well. 
Yeah, well, we can look at the UK for a case study on all of this, can't we, where there's a shortage of truck drivers because a lot of them uh, disappeared because of Brexit. So, uh, you know, the borders are open, but they're not coming back in. Uh, and that's creating all sorts of uh, supply chain difficulties there, obviously. Look, uh, card spending numbers for New Zealand today. Last time it was down uh, 20%. Uh, they're, they're in lockdown for longer in Auckland, so presumably that's not going to be a particularly... Uh, very good read. Uh, and UK employment numbers. Now there, wages are going to be the thing to watch, aren't they? With all these all these concerns about inflation, how much, because they, they do seem to be rising quite quickly in the UK. Oh, yes, that's right. And if you look at um, the weekly earnings X bonus, I think they're running at 6.8% mm. year on year. So very, very healthy clip in terms of um, er, um, earnings there. And if you did still see relatively elevated earnings there, then I think markets continue to price the chance of the BOE having to move uh, this year and as early as November and um, moving again uh, quite aggressively in uh, 2022 as as well. Overall, it seems like the Bank of England is becoming hawkish both on the labour market and also on energy prices as well. Right. Okay. Interesting to see how it all works out then, isn't it, really? A uh, good test for monetary theory in uh, in a time like this. Uh, the German zoo survey uh, give, giving us confidence for Germany later on. And uh, US job openings, the JOLT survey. I'm not sure how useful this is because we know there's lots of jobs. It's just the struggle to fill them that's the problem. So if it's a very big number, uh, it still doesn't solve the second part of that sentence, does it? No, it doesn't. And just uh, worth noting that job openings are expected to remain elevated at 10.9 million, and that more than exceeds the number of unemployed people in the US, which I think currently stands at 7.7 million. So more than more than enough jobs, theoretically, if everyone had the appropriate skills there. Uh, but I think it does suggest, although we got that soft payrolls report on Friday, um, labor demand in the US still remains very, very strong. So as long as those uh, vaccination rates continue to lift, then that should see more people uh, drifting back in to the labor force and are willing to become employed again. So I guess it's one of those indicators that gives a little bit more reassurance to the Fed uh, that there is a lot of labor demand out there. Yeah, but is it that are they the right jobs with the right people? Has there been the structural shift? And that's what we're not quite sure about, isn't it? Uh, yes, yes, that's right. And so you could have seen a lot of te- technological change, especially in the services side. Uh, mm-hmm. But as, at the same time, just given how um, large job openings are there, then um, you would expect some of those jobs to be filled. There should be something for everyone, is what you're saying, really, isn't it? All right, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk. Uh, <laughs> interesting times, aren't they? We'll see uh, how this all progresses. Great to talk. We'll catch you again very soon. Thanks, Tapas. Uh, cheers. Thanks, Phil. In case you haven't figured out, I'm confused about yeah, right now. Central banks wanting to put their interest rates. So that's it for today, though. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning with another edition of The Morning Call. See you then.